Welcome in to another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. Daniel here, flying solo, and I am joined by a fantastic guest. Josh and I had talked a little bit about the immersive show coming to London, named The Rise, here in the middle of June, and I am joined now by the director, Tom Mahler. Tom, all the way from what, Southeast London? Southeast London, my friend, yeah. How well, are you yeah. doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. You know, it's, it's, it's finally worldwide. You know, you don't have to kind of, you know, bite your tongue when talking to people about Peaky now. We're in the middle of June and just five or six days away from Camden Town turning into the garrison. And I, I want you to start off by explaining to everyone kind of your start with Peaky. You know, where did you jump in and, and when did you decide that this was something you wanted to turn into an immersive experience? Yeah, so um, I've been a fan since it ever aired, you know, the first episode. I thought the world's incredible, the rich storylines, the characters, the music. And I think, you know, I've been working in immersive theatre for 10 years. Um, this is something, you know, something I've always been excited about, the potential of, of doing an immersive Peaky Blinders show. Um, the producers, uh, Immersive Everywhere, have also been excited about doing it for some time. But there's always been, there's been a venue, um, you know, which we now call the Camden Garrison, in Camden Stables. So it's a grade two listed building. So it's a Victorian building, a red brick Victorian warehouse, which used to be an old horse hospital in Camden, right by the locks. Now, if you're Peaky Blinders fan, there's an iconic character that has a red brick Victorian warehouse right by the Camden um, locks. And, and um, this is of course, Alfie Solomon's. And so when this venue became available right by the canal, we jumped on it. We jumped on it. Um, we got then, you know, acquired the rights from Cam Renderback and Stephen Knight to, to make a show from their amazing um, product. And then I kind of set back and went knee deep again, all the way from the beginning, going through episode after episode, trying to find where our story sits. Uh, the first question we always ask is, who are the audience? So the audience in our show are associates. They are kin uh, of the Shelby family. And we're inviting our audience to come in and step in and have a, a vote and play a part inside the family meeting of, of the Shelbys. Um, so we create immersive theatre, which allows the audiences to step in and play a part. We encourage the audiences to dress up so you can don your peaky hat. We also, in this show, are giving the audiences a voice. So you will talk to Aunt Pole, you'll rub shoulders with Tommy Shelby. Um, it's in, like I said, a grade two listed building. So half the job is done for us. It looks beautiful. The set is now nearly complete. We're currently in tech. Uh, the audiences then roam amongst living, breathing, fully constructed sets for two and a half hours. Uh, and they will then be given tasks and missions. They'll be, uh, be lured onto the other side of Charles Darby Sabini, uh, the Italians, of course. So after kind of going knee deep into um, Peaky Blinders again, it felt like season two was the right place to sit, where the Shelbys in season one have just taken down Billy Kimber. They now run the Northern race courses, but Tommy has his, his, his eye set on London. He's ambitious. And so Tommy then moves the family and he takes the boys on a holiday, if you remember, to the yep. Eden Club, where they decide that London is for the taking. So that's perfect for us. We're asking our audiences to meet in the center of London for a family meeting where Tommy reveals a plan, which is, which is quite exciting. And Tom, trust me, I wish I could I could be there to kind of see one of these because there's no better season, at least a consensus amongst this podcast than season two. You know, if you were to make one perfect episode, that season two finale at Cheltenham with, you know, the Derby Day going on. And, and obviously when you've got Grace in May, where does it kind of 
where does the immersiveness come into play when it comes to something like this? You have worked, you know, in, in immersive theater before. You just finished off doing a, a performance of Arcane over in America. So now moving over back to your homeland and working on something like this, how do you describe it to a person who has never been to an immersive theater? Okay, so we, like I said, we build the living sets. So we take the sets from the TV show. So say season two, we have built the Camden Garrison. So it looks exactly like the Garrison, but the Peaky Blinders, they want a home away from home. So it's the Camden Garrison. We actually have some of the sets and furniture from the show itself, which is awesome. So even if you come to the show, you'll look around and recognize some of the sets. So it's almost like um, a, a twofer. You get to go see a show and get to see like a museum of Peaky Exactly that, exactly. And so it's an interactive show. So we, we allow the audiences to, like I said, dress up and come and play a part. The actors are fully embodied. They're fully in character and they are playing some of the most iconic characters from Peaky Blinders, as well as new characters we've made for this experience. Um, we've got different types of players, people who are narrative players who've come to play a, a new, unique bespoke um, Peaky Blinders live episode. So that's what we're creating a live episode. But you've got people who want to come and not have a voice and be a bit a little bit kind of reserved and take a step back from it. And that's okay. You can step back and 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 watch familiar scenes unfold from season two, like Alfie and Tommy doing the we're bakers, we're head bakers kind of speech. At the same time, you can get involved and you can be right in the center and and have a vocal part. The idea with immersive theater is that the world happens around you. We have uh, in-world cocktails. We have we have the music. It's, it's, it's as much a theater show as it is a rock show. So we've got over 30 live songs being sung by incredible singers. Um, and then with this show, like you said, I was in America with Arcane, which is um, inspired by League of Legends. I created six different endings. So we've got multiple endings to the show. So potentially you can affect the outcome of Tommy Shelby. If Tommy Shelby rise, rises or Tommy Shelby falls. And so the audience has true agency within our world, um, which is very exciting. So the audience is gonna leave feeling accomplished and that they played their part. So this will take place at the uh, the Vanguard Theater and you mentioned it, it's all gonna kind of circle around the, uh, the mixture of this fantasy and reality because it's Camden that, that's talked about, right? Farrington Road and Camden Road and all of that with, with Alfie and you can get your tickets online. Um, and, and Tom, you know, I want to kind of bolster you up a little bit here and, and walk through a couple of the things that you've worked on. And I want you to tell me what your favorite experience was because you've done some Doctor Who. We talked about Arcane, uh, Casino Royale, Blade Runner, Romeo and Juliet. How would you compare the Peaky Blinders experience to working on any of those other shows? Um, I think Peaky Blinders is, is, is an honor as a fan. So I've, I've had the honor of working on some amazing titles, working with incredible people. Um, I've worked on Star Wars as well. Um, but this for me as a fan is the coolest thing. So every now and then I'm taking a step back during rehearsals or during tech, putting myself just in a pure fan's shoes, like walking in and smelling that tobacco and that whiskey. And then the big reveal of the Camden Garrison excites me, right? And so I'm kind of, I'm trying to put ourselves in, you know, our shoes here as we talk about, you know, being fans of Peaky Blinders. I think the, the themes are really strong. I think post-World War One, the men coming back with shell shock, uh, and struggling to, to carry on with life. The women who've kind of kept the country running with industry, but then forgotten about, about how we fought for king and country and then were cast aside. So you've got these street gangs or these, this group of men 
who have been kind of cast out and forgotten about, even though they just risked their lives. So some people sat by, some people thought they would make their own success, which is where the Shelbys came in, right? These, these kind of street gangs of Birmingham and Manchester. So I think the themes are really strong. We, we tap into that. We have Arthur struggling uh, midway through the show with shell shock. We go into a big sequence there. We have obviously, like you said, some of the iconic characters of season two with Grace returning. So for me, like pulling these themes that that are familiar yet so powerful into an immersive show and placing the audience in that, it resonates. The audience will feel the emotion. You know, they can feel the tension. They feel for Arthur, who, who's always been struggling. So I think it's a it's a it's a piece of theater. It's an experience. It's a rock concert, and it's a night out all in one, which is just true to Peaky Blinders. That's amazing. And just hearing you kind of uh, emanate your excitement gets me happy and, and has us at least on the road where the creator of something like this needs to be a Peaky fan, right? It needs to be somebody who's familiar with all of this. Are there any, I, I, want, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I'm not assuming that there's no actors from the show in it, but is there, how did you go about kind of casting and, and is there anyone of familiarity that's going to perform? Um, so we cast our net wide. And so these audition processes always take a time because, you know, we want to get the right person because it's important that when you walk into a room, you feel like you're in the presence of that character. We have an incredible cast. They are the lifeblood. They are, they are the experience. They are the people who will make memories with you for the rest of your life. So you'll come and hopefully one day my friend will come to America. That's the plan. You know, it's a huge, That's, huge market. And a huge out there. We'd love to bring this out there. And so, um, the cast are, are have their own stamp, but they have that familiarity and they have that quality. Like I said at the beginning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting Stephen Knight again for the second time tomorrow. So having the creator's rubber stamp of approval has been has been a great honor, and you know, it's amazing to be working with him and has have his oversight. And so we met before um, season six came out, so I'm very excited to meet and talk to him tomorrow about post season six and see what's happening there. Um, we will be inviting all, all of the cast down to come and have uh, an experience within their world and not something familiar. But we have we have incredible talented actors with lots of experience in immersive theatre. It's a, it's a very it's a very unique genre. You need people who can read scripts and also perform them night after night, as well as improvise, as well as do all the fights, as well as be able to sing, as well as to you know uh, manage audience members. And so you know we've got an incredible talented team working on this. I think it's really cool to hear about like the the alternate endings, kind of like a Bandersnatch situation, and then as well, exactly. music is such a huge part of the show, and and Nick Cave and and you know Anne Braun and, and so many of the other performers that have had have kind of been a part of, of the season. So I'm excited to hear firsthand. You know, obviously I'll reach out to you after after the 19th, and I'm excited to hear how everything goes. Let's talk a little bit about season six, though. So for anybody that's that's listening that has not seen season six yet probably uh, wise to, to stop here until afterwards. But I do want to hear a little bit from you in terms of maybe what your expectations, because you finished this immersive show well before season six came out, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've been working on this since October last year when I was in LA uh, working with on Arcane. And um, I think we kind of had the through line of what the show was by Christmas or just maybe the new year. So um, actually what season six has provided coincidentally without Stephen telling me anything is quite interesting because we're set, set, setting, setting ourselves in season six, sorry, season two, but season six visits Mikelon Island where all the whiskey has been sent over yep. Tommy's life. You know five seasons. And so we're, 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 we're sat in season two, which is where the Shelby set up. Shelby Export Limited, 
which is where they hide 500 bottles of premium Scotch whiskey in a thousand Riley car parts and ship them out to Nova Scotia. So this is another island off Canada. So like all of these things that are themes within um, Peaky Blinders, you know, like I said, that, that Shell Shock season six. Again, if you haven't seen it, turn this off right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Tommy stopped drinking. So Tommy, it's Tommy's turn to deal with the shell shock and how he struggles with that because he's trying to be a good man. He's trying to be a good father. He's trying to be clean. However, these underlying issues that, are, you know, are now kind of scarred within them start to surface, whereas Tommy's kind of drunk his way through the last 10 years, you know? So, so, so be honest, be honest with me. How, and, and I want you to be completely candid. How worried were you as the director of this show when maybe Tommy Shelby was going to die in the series. I was and you're like, oh shit. Super worried. Like I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I'm not sure I can say this. I was just fucking terrified they would have Game of Thrones it. Oh, yeah, no. we, we, like, oh god. Josh and I constantly compare certain moments like you know the John you know killing in terms yeah. of being like kind yeah. of like Red Wedding esque, you know, and yeah. obviously we could have lost Michael in that in that season um as well. But then we do lose Michael. Is Michael a, a part of the show? Michael is part of the show. Michael is part of the okay. show, but we're in season two, so we're beginning Michael, which I wish I'm really excited about. And there's moments in the show where, you know, at the beginning, we we celebrate Michael because, you know, I'll just tell you, it's his birthday on the day of the show. And it's, and it's, a, great, so it's a great character. Yeah, It's a great character. And he, he's at the beginning, so Polly's in a good place. You know, Polly Polly struggles throughout her, her, her journey. Um, we have a fantastic actor playing Polly as well. But Michael's at the beginning of his journey, and I'm interested to see now the Peaky, Flan, Peaky fans, once they've watched season six, how they react to Michael during the show, because he is young, innocent Michael in our world. But obviously, we know Endgame, ambitious, backstabbing Michael that we get in season six. Um, I was terrified that Tom is going to die because I was, I was then um, concerned, maybe like, you know, there's a huge fan base of the show, but that chapter was then closed. And people then go, cool, I've done my Peaky. The yep. story is amazing. It's come to an end because it's Thomas Shelby, right? However, the, the fact that there are, um, you know, there's a, there's a film on the horizon allows it to live on, which then means whilst our show is then building up into gears and they start to announce the film, and they start to promote the film in you know years to come, years to, years, years to come, or whenever it comes out, um, we'll be there as the experience, yep. you know, driving and, and waving that Peaky Blinders flag with pride, which we're very excited about. How many people are allowed in each show? So we have 17 cast members and we have 280 audience a show. Okay. We do shows Wednesday to Sunday and we have matinees Saturday and Sunday. So, so it's, so it's, the ratio is good. Like the cast yeah. to audience ratio is rich because we're telling a story and an important story and with big themes. So um, we have iconic characters, like I said, of course, like Tommy Arthur, Polly Ada, John, but at the same time, we have some other characters that I've brought in, you know, Steven's done such a good job of um, having real world um, iconic historical characters of the time, you know, from Mosley to Churchill. So I've kind of stayed true to him and I've brought, I've brought a character into our world, which I hope our audience is excited about to meet, to finally meet. Oh, He's mentioned a few cool. times, I'm saying too much, He's mentioned throughout, but you never meet him. So I'm, I'm so excited. Ooh, that's that's a good one. You know, I I constantly will go back and say that the introduction of you know Tom Hardy and Finn Cole is such a is such an incredible, you know, 
boost to a show. And then we got something similar here in season six because I thought James Freshville and Amber Anderson stole the spotlight. Almost every scene that Diana Mitford was in was captivating. And, you know, the same thing obviously can be said about, you know, good old, good old James Freshville who has all those connections with Animal Kingdom. And obviously that's new, yeah. that's Finn's star role in America on the TNT yeah. show that's yeah, about yeah. to come out with its final season. Let me ask you as well. Is there going to be a uh, like a Helen McCrory uh, tribute or anything um, dedicated towards her? I think um, I'm 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 very aware of of Aunt Paul and Helen McCrory and her incredible talent talent and characterization as, as Polly and betrayal. I think um, it, it was it was it was some of the best performances I've ever seen on TV. Um, and not just in Peaky Blinders as a theatre actor, I think I respect her greatly. So I think we we acknowledge Helen McCrory's version of Aunt Pole as you know we're not going to to try and recreate that. We have recreated her Aunt Polly, her Polly, um, but Helen McCrory is Helen McCrory. Our our actress Emma um, has an incredible presence, and you will be in the presence of Aunt Pole once you're with Emma. However, Aunt Polly. Um, she she bookends our show so she opens our show and she closes it she is that matriarch overseeing all-seeing all-knowing spiritual kind of powerhouse Good. so it's almost the, like a tribute in itself just happening yeah like, like I've, I've, got her, I've got her up like three meters above the whole audience on a big giant iron bridge Beautiful. kind of opening and closing the show which which is which is important because um she she, she is peaky blinders as much as anyone else you know and so, Tom, how do we get some sort of Hamilton-style movie made where they come in and film so that the rest of us can watch this eventually? Well, no, I'm going to do my job and make the best show possible and then bring it to you. That's my plan. That's the goal. That's, That's great. Plan. So, I'm, I'm bring, so I'm bringing it to the people. Starting June 19th, how long is it going to run for? Um, so we are currently booking until February next year, but our plan is that, you know, we have an incredible... Um, amazing fans for Peaky Blinders and and as well as non-Peaky Blinder fans where they can come and they can live a li live episode of this of this incredible show whether they've seen Peaky Blinders or not if you come as a Peaky Blinders fan you will see these amazing characters amazing sets familiar stories as well as new storylines however if you come fresh off the street never seeing an episode you're stepping into a new piece of theatre which has a beginning middle and end and hopefully you can jump in and play a part. And then maybe they can watch Peaky Blinders afterwards and, and get hooked. Um, I can say that nobody listening to this podcast is going to be that person because everybody's seen the show. But yeah. what, a, what an incredible month for the city of London, because obviously yeah. the Jubilee in the beginning of June, you've got Wimbledon coming up at the end of June, and then oh, yeah. the, the, the rise is going to carry you through. But that's great news that it'll run for at least six months, because that means that fans in Wales and Scotland and India yes. and America that are listening can kind of semi base a trip potentially to London. It's it's a great city. We're seeing with lots of um, we're seeing lots of excitement already. We have the caravan from season six. We have the, the caravan, giant caravan again. Wow. If I'm seeing it turning off, uh, where Tom <laughs> takes it away to at the end. They've we've now acquired that caravan. We've painted it. It's it's called a Vardo, a gypsy caravan, which has Peaky Blinders, the Rise painted beautifully uh, by designer Rebecca Brower uh, and that is permanently placed in Camden Stables Market just outside our venue so audiences are drawn to it there's so much such a buzz around it um, and so hopefully our, our word spreads far and wide and we would love people to come see see the show. 
Well, we can't wait. I'm so happy. Maybe we'll we'll chat here in in a month or two just to kind yeah. of get it get a, a check mark and a book bookend to see how everything's going and how the show is. Tom Mallory, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. That's going to be it for this episode. Stay tuned for us to continue to break down more season six stuff for those Netflix watchers. As always, I'm Daniel, and we've been seeing you on Happy.